The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. passage, but don't tune it out today. It's just a good reminder for us. One day, Jesus got into his boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and they sailed, as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. He awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Hmm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he even commands the winds and water, and they obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray before you're seated. Father, thank you for your word. Cultivate our hearts in a way that that it is easy today to receive what the Spirit is saying. And Father, give me that which makes preaching easy, namely your anointing. Um, I pray, God, that that, that I would speak the truth and nothing but the truth today. Pierce our hearts with your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I do sense this is a word for us today. I have learned in 23 years of marriage, Nikki and I just celebrated a couple weeks ago, 23 years of marriage, and I've learned over those 23 years that I should probably listen to my wife. Uh, That's probably true for any marriage, but um, particularly in mine, I've learned that one of my my wife's main spiritual gift is the the gift of discernment. And um, so many times I, I could have saved myself a lot of trouble in the context of the church had I just listened to her, realizing that she's hearing from the Lord. And so I had a different message um, in mind today. I was, I was going to preach out of Ephesians 2 and deal with some of the, the cultural things again that I've already touched on those, talked about them Wednesday, talked about them last Sunday, and um, talk more about social media and all of that stuff. And she just said to me, she said, Chris, I don't feel like people need, in, in our church right now, you've, you've, you've talked about this stuff enough. This morning, she said, I, I feel like people just need a word of encouragement. And uh, I, I at first said, no, I'm, I'm going to move. I really feel like this is the direction I need to go. But as I continued to pray, the Lord just confirmed what she told me. And this is just a word simply of encouragement for us today about the tenacious peace of God. All right? These are, in fact, tumultuous times that we're in. Are they not? So much so that it would be easy for us to be overcome with fear and anxiety. We're learning to deal with what we are told is a highly contagious virus, which has meant forced social isolation. It's meant economic collapse. It's meant job loss, canceled high school graduations, college graduations. It even changes the way we worship. I mean, whoever thought I would be looking at a congregation full of people wearing masks with a yellow rope down the middle of our pews to separate us? As if it were not enough, we've also witnessed over the last several weeks, weeks many unjust deaths, racial division, and rioting throughout our nation. 
Add to uh, this the fact that it is an election year. Have you noticed? We have this constant political warfare. I don't think that's too strong of a word to use. It's warfare, and it's become the new norm for us. It's tragic. It's so bad, in fact, that it could make one wonder if we aren't on the track for another civil war. I hope not. Many of us are terrified at the mess we're going to leave for our our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, should the Lord tarry. How many just hope he comes back today? Come on, somebody. Then we have this hyper-politicized media, the media outlets, which always have an agenda. So this has left us cynical and wondering what in the world we we can believe, right? We don't know what the truth really is most of the time, except right here. That's why we need to be grounded in this word, amen, rather than um, CNN or Fox or whatever your poison is. Finally, you add to this our own personal issues that we, maybe it's health issues, maybe it's family issues, uh, relationship issues, job issues. I don't know what you're dealing with, but friends, um, putting all this together, we have a recipe for disaster. How are you doing? I told you it's going to be an encouraging message, right? With all of these situations surrounding us, it would be, again, easy to be overwhelmed, anxious, worrisome, sleepless, restless. And this is how, frankly, much of the world is living. But can I just encourage you today and let you know that this is not the the way that God wishes for us to live and move. Amen? This is not the way that God wants us to live. So in the midst of all of this, our Lord Jesus Christ offers to His church... This beautiful, uh, priceless, timeless commodity called the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, a tenacious peace that I want to challenge us to cling to today. I would argue that we can't help nor necessarily change the things that are going on in our uh, nation right now, in our world, but we can change our response to those situations, amen? And we can walk in the perfect peace of God through these most trying times. So in our text, we find the disciples in the middle of a storm. Such a frightening occasion, in fact, that they are afraid for their very lives. Even though Jesus is in the boat with them. And the Lord teaches them this day an invaluable lesson, one that is so true for us still today. Namely, that we can trust God and we can experience what I might call crazy peace or tenacious peace. Peace that doesn't make any sense, even in the midst of the most troubled times. So to help us learn to walk in this peace, I want to break down this text into three quick points. Number one, I want to talk about the problems that the disciples face. Number two, the power, namely the power of Christ. And three, the peace that he offers. So the problems, the power, and the peace. Are you with me? you got to say amen even louder this morning through your mask, right? Help a preacher preach today. Let's begin with the problems. Luke 8, 22. One day Jesus got into the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, I want you to mark that. He said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And here's why I find this so compelling. Jesus is the one commanding his disciples here. 
This was not some idea that they just conjured up. And yet, they faced challenging situations. A, a, a challenging situation. As a matter of fact, it says they were in danger. The scripture says that. So I I find this compelling because often when we go through trials and troubles in our lives, we immediately think that we are not walking in the will of God. We think we must have missed God, but that is often not the case. When storms do come in life, don't always retreat thinking that you must have missed the Lord. Often it means that you have heard from the Lord, and you're moving in the right direction. Be tenacious, friends. Keep moving forward. So even though the disciples were going and walking in what the Lord said to do, they still faced at least two problems. Number one, they faced a physical problem, a literal storm. Verse 23, as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and we're in danger. How many know it's not good when your boat starts filling with water? The disciples faced a real storm. That's not good, all right? The, the Bible says they are in danger, and this danger catches them off guard because they don't expect they're doing what Jesus asked them to do. They don't expect anything to go uh, in a way that is kind of not perfect, I guess. They, they don't expect these types of circumstances. And so they began to panic. Now, my in-laws this last week celebrated their anniversary. And on Wednesday, they were uh, leaving their house out on Pretty Run in, in Winchester and driving down these country roads to go and celebrate with a meal. And as they did, uh, some winds and storms came out of nowhere, winds that were reported to be about 80 miles, miles per hour. And all of a sudden, as they were driving, a a, a huge tree limb fell right in front of their car. And by God's grace, he protected them from that. And uh, they noticed limbs were then beginning to fall everywhere. So they went and they drove back home. And then uh, the, the barn that is there on their property is all but fallen down. Power lines were down. I mean, it was crazy. It came out of nowhere, and it frustrated their plans. And how many of that is just indicative of our own lives that, that often, I mean, we're moving along and we make all these plans and all of a sudden what happens? Some kind of storm comes and our plans are frustrated. Friends, that is life. It's life. We all will face unexpected storms in life, literally if you're in Kentucky and also figuratively. See, our storms are not always physical. Sometimes the storms are physical, but other times they are emotional. Sometimes they're spiritual. Sometimes they're relational. But we come up against troubling times even when we are serving the Lord. That's what I want you to see. And we cannot help but face those difficulties. But we can change our response. We can change our perception. The disciples face this storm, this physical storm, but there was an even deeper problem, and it had to do with a faith issue. It was a faith problem. So you have the physical problem, and then more seriously, you have this faith problem. 
See, you can deal with about any storm in life, any physical storm in life, as long as you have faith. But if you don't hold on to faith in the storm, friends, you're in trouble. So before getting on the boat, the disciples had heard enough of Jesus' parables and teachings that they probably felt like they'd been to Bible college. But academic knowledge without practicing faith is absolutely useless. And I love what Warren Worsby says here on this text. He says, the disciples looked around and they saw danger. They looked within and they saw fear. But they did not look up in faith to see God. And therein lies the problem. And you know, it would be so easy right now to get caught up with the apparent dangers that surround us right now. It would be easy to look around and and see the problems. It would be easy to look within and see fear. But friends, you and I, we need to look up and see the Lord. Because He is still on the throne. He is sovereign and He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. If we want tenacious peace, you and I, we've got to walk in faith. And part of walking in faith is to know and understand and trust the power and the goodness and the sovereignty of Almighty God. We looked at the problem, but let's look now at that power. Let's consider the power of Jesus. Because the disciples in the story, they are petrified and they cry like 12-year-old girls. No offense, 12-year-old girls, if you're here today. They are afraid for their lives, but why are they scared? It's simply because they have no idea the magnitude of what it means to have Jesus in the boat with them. So verse 24, it says, when they woke, they woke Jesus saying, Master, Master. So understand this, they they get that Jesus is Master, but they don't understand the magnitude of who He is and what He is capable of. And they say to him, we are perishing. And he awoke and he rebuked, the the scripture says, the wind and the raging waves and they ceased. And there was a calm. Hmm. Verse 25, he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this? Who is this? Maybe you've been saved for many years and all of a sudden the Lord works in a, in a different way in your life and you think, man, who is this God? You see Him in new ways and in new lights and the Lord is always working. He's always doing new things. His attributes, uh, we, we could never exhaust them. We, you know, we, we can't today uh, just put God in a box and learn all that are, there is to know about Him. Yes, we know quite a bit about him, but he is so far above us. His ways above our ways, his thoughts above our, th- our thoughts, and he is, in a sense, unsearchable. He's so infinitely beyond us. The disciples have no idea who's in the boat with them, really. So they're panicked. And isn't that why so many Christians panic and walk around in fear and doubt when storms come? Because they don't understand what it means to abide in Jesus. Let's consider his power. The disciples marvel and they say, who is this that the winds and the waves even obey him? That's a powerful God, amen? 
You think your problem is too big for him? Consider what he's done. In, in, in John 2, 1 through 11, we, we read that he turns water into wine. John 4, he heals an official son. And Mark 1, he drives out an evil spirit. In Matthew 8, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. In Matthew 8, he heals a multitude of sick people. In uh, Luke 5, after Simon Peter fished all night with no luck, Jesus miraculously causes him to catch an overflow of fish, so much that the nets begin to break. In Luke 5 as well, he cleanses a man with leprosy. In Luke 7, he heals a centurion servant. In Matthew 9, he heals a paralytic. In uh, Matthew 12, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. In Luke 7, Jesus raises a widow's son. In Luke 8, he casts out a legion of demons into a herd of pigs. In, 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 in chapter 8 as well, Jesus heals the woman with the issue of blood. In, in Luke 8 as well, Jesus raises Jairus' daughter back to life. In, in uh, Matthew 9, Jesus heals two blind men. In Matthew 14, he uh, miraculously feeds 5,000. In Matthew 14, Jesus walks on the water. In Luke 18, Jesus restores sight to, to uh, blind Bartimaeus. And also, if you haven't heard, Jesus is risen from the dead. Come on, somebody. All of this to say, friends, we serve an awesome God. You think your problem is too big for him? If you are abiding in Jesus, you are connected to him, friend. In, in a figurative sense, he is in your boat today. Hallelujah. Yeah. I've talked about the problems. I, we've looked at the power. Now let's just consider the peace that comes when you realize his power. Because, friends, you and I today, we need peace through this situation. In verse 25, he says to his disciples, where is your faith? He questions their faith. Why? Because they trust him after the storm, not during the storm. After Jesus calms the storm, they're calm. Hey, who is this? Hey, let's go get a cheeseburger. Like, they're fine. They have peace. But friends, I want to challenge you and let you know that the peace that Jesus gives is not just for after the storm. It's not just for before the storm. Friends, it is for during the storm. That is the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's the peace while everybody else is freaking out. It's the peace that you can have and people think you're out of your mind because you're not losing it right now. But it's the peace that Jesus offers. Let me just tell you that leading a church uh, through this pandemic has not been uh, the easiest. It's been interesting, to say the least. And during this season, I, I want to uh, share with you, we've had some, some families that have decided to leave and talk more about that later. They're fine. Uh, we have no relational issues with any of these people who have left. We have had to worry about finances, and we've had to worry about people leaving, and we think, what's church going to look like when it comes back, and how should we reopen? I mean, it would be so easy for me and our board to just be overcome with anxiety, but we haven't been. The Lord has given us an amazing peace. Back in January, and please listen to the whole of this comment so you don't take what I'm saying out of context, but back in January, the, the Lord told me, um, I was praying, Lord, I want to go to the next level in our church. And, and the Lord told me that, that he was going to move, but there was going to be a pruning process. And I want to be very clear. This is why I'm telling you to listen to the whole context. It's not that anybody who is leaving, it's not that there's something wrong with them. 
It's not that they're holding us back. It's not that there's something spiritually wrong with them. I don't know the reasons. But the Lord told me, and I was was a bit fearful of this because you never like it when people leave. But the Lord told me there's going to be a pruning process. So while I was bellyaching over all these or these few people that uh, I've heard are leaving, um, the Lord just reminded me of what he told me back in January. Friends, the, the, the Lord is, is moving. And aren't you thankful that our destiny is not tied uh, to any one person? Our destiny is tied to God. Uh, the vision that the Lord has given me is not tied to any particular person. As a matter of fact, um, the, the, the vision that God has given this church is not even tied to me. Amen? And so, I just want you to know, I, I've had to walk, what I'm preaching to you has been tough for me to walk in. But today, I'm not anxious. As a matter of fact, I don't remember the last time I've been excited, this excited, about ministry. Because it has shaken me, it, it has made me again, it sent me back to my knees in and, 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 and just dedicated prayer, and I am excited for the days ahead. Is, uh, ahead. Anybody else excited about the season that God has for us? Amen. So I trust God, I trust His providence. He brought us here, He brought you here, and He will see us through. I love John 14, 27. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. See, the peace that Jesus gives is a tenacious peace, crazy peace. Peace that stays with you in the midst of the storm. And it's different than what the world gives. Let's just consider for a moment the the peace that the world gives. See, the world's peace is circumstantial. It it gives you peace when everything is going smoothly. So when the marriage is good, when the finances are good, the kids are good, the job is good, the health is good. Friends, how often in your life is it all good? That's why the world never has peace. See, peace is, the worldly peace is based on circumstances. Jesus offers something greater. Let me just read that verse again. He says, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Jesus offers something greater, tenacious peace, relentless peace. Peace when it's good, peace when it's bad. Can I just tell somebody that COVID-19 did not bring you your peace and it can't take it from you? God's peace is a peace when you shouldn't have peace. Peace in the midst of fierce winds and torrential downpours. Peace when all hell is breaking loose in your life. Peace when you don't know how the bills will be paid. Peace when you have kid problems, uh, spouse problems problems um peace in every season season peace that does not leave peace 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 how many want that kind of tenacious peace in your life let me just close Zach. you can how do we do it how do we tap into this well one you've got to have a relationship with jesus so if you're on I, i know everyone's sitting here i know you have a relationship with jesus If you're watching online, I want to invite you to come to the Lord today. Don't don't try to fix your life and then come to Him. Know what it is right now to come to Jesus. And you know, for those who do not know Christ, 
One of the biggest reasons they do not have peace is because they're walking in their sin and their shame and their guilt. And is there not, friends, a peace when you come to Jesus and you experience forgiveness and the love and mercy of God, His salvation? There's this calming presence that just comes upon you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you, hear this, rest. He's in the midst of people who are all around him are trying to earn their way to God through the law. (laughs) And he says, hey, all you who are burdened by this and heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. So it starts with the relationship with Jesus. But even then, we can't just sit back and be passive. If we're going to experience the peace of God, we've got to learn to meditate on God's word. Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. That word blessed there, really we could, it, it's, it's happiness. Happy is the man. And, and it's not a, a, a kind of chipper happiness or superficial happiness. It's deep, um, a deep happiness, satisfaction in the Lord. Happy is the man. This man has peace. This woman has peace. Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, her delight, is in the law of the Lord, in God's word. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree, get this, firmly planted by streams of water. It's a beautiful image. Which yields its fruit in due season. And its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. When you are delighting in God's word, your your roots, the roots of your life are grounded in Jesus. And you're just unmovable. You're unmovable. So we've got to to be people of the word. And you know what I'm going to say next. What else do we need to do? We need to be people of prayer. I know this is redundant. This is where my sermons end most of the time when I tell you how to apply what we're applying. Philippians 4 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. So instead of worrying today, friends, pray. Pray. Trust the Lord. Get in His Word. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.